This is the Life School Podcast, episode number 166, and today we're going to talk about the role of Christians when it comes to protecting the environment and stewarding our global resources with special guest climate scientist Catherine Hayhoe. Welcome to the Life School Podcast, where each week you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of your life. This is the stuff that your parents, teachers, and pastors forgot to tell you. I'm Heath Hollinsby, and I'm here with your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Hey, Heath. Good afternoon, my friend. It's getting warmer every day, isn't it? Uh, is that your little joke about what we're going to talk, <laughs> yeah, talk about global warming okay, today a little bit? Yeah. Okay, so this is, man, I'm excited to, yeah. to talk to our guest today. So several months ago, just to kind of fill our listeners in, you said, hey, we should do an episode on like the Christian response to global warming. Yeah. I was like, oh, interesting. We do know we need to know how to speak into that. Right. Sure. So as I started doing my research, I kept running into one person, one voice in articles and videos where I'm like, I'm just going to gank all her stuff. Yeah. And her this is Catherine. It's our guest today. Yeah. And I was like, how about this? Instead of me just doing a really bad job and trying to say what she knows. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm learning from yeah. you know, some the scientists. Yeah. Well, let's see if she'd come on the show and she's super gracious. And, yeah. and agreed to do it. And it took us a little while. It took us, know? what, four or five months almost to, to finally get her. She's super but... busy, but wow, am I excited to have her on. For those of you who don't know her or are not familiar with who she is, she's a climate scientist and professor in the Department of Political Science, as well as the director of the Climate Science Center at Texas Tech University. She's the CEO of Atmos Research. She's a TED Talk giver and... Recently, she was named uh, one of Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People in America. Wow. That's like a mouthful. <laughs> I'm like, I haven't, I'll never do that in my whole I'm life. I'm a little afraid to 30. do the interview here. This is crazy. <laughs> yeah. And her husband's a pastor. Yeah. Andrew I understand. Farley. Yep. He's right. got a book that I just started reading, which yep. is awesome. So anyway, let's, uh, let's get her on and let's get rolling with this. I'm excited. Hey, Catherine, thanks for joining us today. Yeah. As someone who studies climate change and even has the title of climate scientist, and you're very obviously very well respected, highly qualified. Um, what are you seeing, Catherine, uh, in current trends when it comes to global warming? Like, what should we be paying attention to? When we look at what's happening to our planet, there's not a lot of cause for optimism, unfortunately. Every new study that comes out. Come on, don't start us out on well, a bummer. Okay, Come on. <laughs> you can, we can start with a different question. <laughs> no kidding. Want, but the, the honest truth is, every new study that comes out tells us that. Arctic sea ice is melting faster or Antarctic is, is fragmenting more quickly or the ocean circulation is slowing down. I mean, when we look at this planet, we have some serious concerns, not just about what's happening to the planet, but even more what's going to happen to us, the people who live on it. But the biggest question I get these days is really what gives you hope? And I do see hope. I see hope in the things that people are doing all around us. I see hope in how quickly the world is changing. I was just at a missions conference the other week, and there are the most incredible stories of young people who are starting nonprofits in sub-Saharan Africa to bring pay-as-you-go solar panels to people who have no electricity of any kind. I hear amazing stories of people helping um, you know, with water resources and sustainable agriculture, helping the very poorest of the poor to develop, to improve their quality of living and to make them more resilient to a changing climate. So 
at the same time that there is serious concern and even anxiety when we look at what's happening in the science, when we look at what's happening with people, it is really amazing. And in fact, one of the favorite articles that I read over the last few months was an article um, looking at what Christians are doing in India. India is one of the poorest countries with one of the biggest populations in the world, and it listed 10 very specific ways that climate change is affecting water resources in India, which of course is very important. And under each of those 10 ways, it listed either specific ways that Christian organizations are already helping people in India or specific ways that Christian organizations could help people in India deal with their water challenges. Wow. That's, that is good news. That is really good. It totally is. I I also have to ask sort of a part B or to, to that question is, um, because I, I just know, I mean, I just see too much wacky stuff out there on Facebook and people, you know, I, I just today I saw something where someone is completely trying to discredit that there's no such thing as global warming. How is this even possible that we still live in a world where uh, both sides of the coin are being vehemently, you know, like banded about back out there? And and then I guess really what I'm saying is why should our listeners believe what we're saying is like, I mean, I totally I, I don't see how people can miss it, but. You must get asked this a lot. Every single day, <laughs> I, I get I get challenged. And it was back in the 80s that Isaac Asimov, who of course is a very famous science fiction writer, back in the 80s, he said that one of the most dangerous things permeating public discussion today is the dangerous notion that my opinion is more valid than your fact. Oh. Well, yeah, science fiction is certainly the, the prophecy of our generation because that is the world we live in today. Say it again. Say it again. It's too good. The dangerous notion that my opinion is more valid than your fact. Wow. Wow. I, I heard something seriously similar recently. It said something about everybody's entitled to their own opinion, but not their own set of facts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the ra- the, kind of yes. The- and so often when I talk to people, and I talk to a lot of people who have questions and doubts about this whole thing, because we hear a lot of very conflicting information every time we turn on the TV or the radio or go to our favorite web- website, I often start by t- telling people that I don't believe in global warming. I don't. Because as the author of Hebrews tells us, faith is the evidence of what is not seen, whereas science is exactly the opposite, is the evidence of what we do see. So I don't believe in global warming. I believe in God. But I, we look yeah. at the evidence that God's creation yeah. is telling us to say, yeah, the planet actually is warming. We can look at all the natural reasons why it's warmed in the past, like volcanoes and natural cycles and the sun. Every single one of those natural factors has an alibi. In fact, we should be getting cooler, not warmer, according to natural factors. The only reason we're warming is because we are digging up and burning massive amounts of coal and gas and oil, and it's wrapping an extra blanket around our planet. And that extra blanket is trapping more and more of the Earth's heat, and that's why we're running a fever. So, Catherine, do you think um, the Bible talks about climate or even climate change uh, or even our responsibilities as humans? So we have this little PBS series called Global Weirding that's on YouTube, these short little five-minute videos. And, I love them, by the way. Oh, thank yeah. you. Our, our most watched video is the Bible doesn't talk about climate change, does it? So many people have watched this video, and it isn't necessarily a Christian series, but everybody's curious, does the Bible talk about climate change? Well, of course the Bible doesn't talk about climate change. It doesn't talk about all, many of the issues we deal with these days. It doesn't talk about you know issues of um, you know immigration or social justice or reform or those types of things. 
But the Bible does talk a lot about our attitudes and our actions. And so from Genesis 1, where it talks about how God gave us responsibility or stewardship or dominion over this planet, God put us in charge as caretakers over his creation. And then all through the Old Testament, it talks about God's love and joy and pleasure in creation, how God cares about the tiniest flowers or animals, as well as the galaxies and the stars. And then through the New Testament, it talks about how we have been given a new heart to love others as Christ loved us Mm, sacrificially, taking care of the poor and the weak and the vulnerable, the very people who are most affected by a changing climate. In fact, when you overlay a map of the poorest people in the world and a map of the most unreached people groups in the world and a map of those who are most vulnerable to the impacts of a changing climate, they overlap almost exactly. In fact, if we... If we're people who take the Bible seriously, as all Christians should be, then we would be out at the front of the line demanding action on this critical issue. Well, you've just hit upon something I think is why it's so easy for a large portion of, I guess, population or even media to sort of try to discount things or go, yeah, global warming, it's probably it's probably a real deal, but yeah, whatever. You just hit upon it. It's probably not going to affect the wealthier one or two percent, which we would all fall into nearly as quickly, if ever, maybe if we get on the ball here, as it's already affecting the least of these people in the, in the poor and less resource parts of our world. And boy, traditionally, and not just the church, but just as humans, we tend to not worry about it if it's not in my backyard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you've just hit on like the big sort of the thing behind the thing. We talk about that a lot on life school. It's like, what's the thing behind the thing? It's easy to forget about it because when I turn the tap, my water comes out. Uh-huh. Yep. I touch that thermostat and it's exactly the temperature I want all day long, all that. You're yeah. totally right because there's this really awesome set of public opinion maps of the U.S. Um, called the, from the Yale Climate Communication Program. And they ask people all across the U.S. all kinds of questions. And so they ask, you know, do you think climate is changing? Do you think humans are responsible? And, you know, people are about 60, 40 on that. Um, but then they say, do you think climate change will affect poor people in developing countries, everybody says yes. And then they say, do you think climate change will affect you personally? Everybody says no. Wow. Wow. No matter, no, yes, no matter whether we think it's real or not. But here's the thing. This is actually what I study. I study what climate change means to us in the places where we live. And 15, 20 years ago, living in the U.S., we could have said, oh, you know, it's not affecting me. But the way that climate change affects us is it takes the risks that we already naturally face and it exacerbates them or amplifies them. And the last decade in the U.S., we have seen that happening to us. We have seen that wildfires are burning greater and greater areas. We have seen that heavy downpours and torrential rains are getting stronger and stronger, especially in the Northeast and the Midwest. The wildfires are getting bigger all across the Western U.S. We see that hurricanes, which are totally natural, they're getting stronger And they're um, intensifying faster, you know, ramping up from a category one to two to three, all the way up to five faster. And we're seeing that our droughts are getting stronger, like they experienced in California and the one that we had in Texas, too. So it's no longer the case that that we we are invulnerable. We are starting to recognize that, yeah, we're at risk, too. Boy, and there's a big difference between like even California drought. People are like, I can't water my lawn. Yeah, it's dead anyway, you know, and I I have I we have no water for for our crops for our flock for my kids there's a big difference in that I I it almost it's like it needs to come home to roost a little bit Catherine before I think that the 
some of the culprits that are us will start to take this a little more seriously. Yeah. Well, and I love that you tie it back to Genesis 1 and the way we steward create. You know, I was made in the image of God, and in that video that I watched was you saying, as image bearers, we have to care about preserving the life of every living thing. Uh, and so that's we, part of our we, image uh, bearing. We teach, Catherine... Um, through the story, like the scripture as a story in, in our community and just as I travel around the world teaching, I always revert back to story. And one of the things that comes right out of Genesis 1 is like, why were humans created? And we, we call it the human job description. And it seems to like no matter who I've asked, and I've done this thousands of times, everybody comes up with the same three. It's like, uh, it seems like we were created to bear God's image, um, can't just do, um, hang out with him and care for his stuff. You know, that's the third one everybody comes up with. And, and that's why we're here. And it's like, wow, this is part of that. This is definitely part of the human job description. We got to care for this planet that we're all rolling around at. But see, I, my, I'm already, my heart's changed already because when I hear about it, it's like, it's one thing for me to think about, I'm caring for the planet because I'm supposed to, or I get to. It's like, no, I'm caring for the least of these because this affects them so much more deeply and immediately and deeper. Oh, that's, that's, that's so huge. You know, you, you, you have something that I read about you online that was really uh, it kind of stopped me because I'd never heard it put this way before. But in your bio, you state that you don't just accept global warming on faith, but that you crunch the data and analyze the models. Um, as a Christian, can you speak into how science can help inform your faith versus the maybe traditional Christian model that faith always trumps science regardless of what the stats say? Well, here's my perspective. If we believe that God created this amazing universe that we live in, and that is what what we believe, then what is science other than studying God's creation and trying to figure out how he makes it work? Ah, it's so simple and powerful. That's awesome. Awesome. Okay, so I read an article um, not too long back in Slate Magazine about five arguments that evangelical Christians should care about climate change. In other words, reasons why, okay? Uh, Do you remember that? Yes, yes, I do. Do you mind walking us through those? And kind of unpacking that a little bit, or maybe you have completely different reasons. But it was it was cool because it was specific five reasons that evangelical Christians should care about this. And so I think we've kind of hit upon at least one. We did, um, and and also too, this is another story behind the story. So one of the the first kind of really underlying myth that we've bought into that we often don't really fully recognize or verbalize is the idea that it doesn't matter to me. It might matter to future generations or people far away, but not me. That's the first one. And this, the second myth we've bought into is I'm not the right type of person to care. If I'm already an environmentalist, I vote liberal, I wear Birkenstocks in the winter. <laughs> Wait a minute. I bike You're describing work. the Pacific Northwest where we live. Okay, perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. If, if I'm from, you know, Portland or heaven forbid, Seattle or Tacoma. Then... <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> yeah, no, no. But, but if, you know, if I'm a fiscal conservative, if I'm a Southern Baptist, if I vote Republican, if I support a healthy economy, if I support the, the armed forces, then, then we've bought into this myth that I'm not the type of person to care. Whereas the reality is, is that if we are a Christian, if we take the Bible seriously, if we actually believe it is the foundation of our belief system, not the world, not our political ideology, but what God's word actually says, then we are the exact people to care. And so the reasons that we laid out, that I laid out were, first of all, um, 
conservation is conservative. If we truly are conservative people. Ooh, same word. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's the same word. Conserving what God gave us is a natural part of who we are. Um, this, the second reason is because we believe that God gave us responsibility over this planet. One of people's favorites are arguments is, you know, if God's in control, this could never happen. But right there in Genesis 1, it says that God actually gave us responsibility on behalf of him. So if we've been given responsibility by the person we respect most in this universe, don't we want to carry out that responsibility to the absolute best of our ability? I mean, it just makes sense, right? Yeah, but see, we have this view of that God gave us responsibility, but he's this this grumpy dad who's kind of standing there watching us do it badly, and he's pissed off about it. Right, right. Instead, instead of believing what it said, it's like, no, he gave us the responsibility. It's yours. What a cool gift. What an amazing thing. Steward it well. Care for it. Conserve it. <laughs> mm-hmm, exactly. And, and take joy and pleasure in it. Um, then, then the next reason was um, the fact that even if we believe, you know, the world's going to end, a lot of people say, well, the world's going to end anyway, so why do we care? There's a lot going on in the New Testament where people are saying, oh, well, the world's going to end. Christ returns tomorrow or the next day. So I'm just going to sit back and, you know, fold my hands and wait. And the Apostle Paul, who you have to love, wrote to these people and said, get a job, (laughs) you know, take care of your family, take care of the widows and the orphans and the poor. You don't know when the day or the time is. But in the meantime, we are called to share God's love with other people. And that's who we believe we are. We are not passive fatalists who have a ticket to heaven. We are people who have actually have God's spirit living in us to share God with the world. That's who we've been made. We've been made into someone, people who have a mission. We have good works prepared for us to walk in, we're told. Yeah. Yeah. Here, now. Right. That's not someday we'll fly away. That's like now prepared. Good work. Mm-hmm. Let's do them. We get. To, yeah, we get to right. Yeah. Yep. Right here in front of us. Yeah. Um, and then one, one interesting point that people often get hung up on is they say, well, but if I get on board with the whole idea that climate is changing and humans are responsible, then I have to believe everything. I have to believe the four billion year old Earth. I have to believe evolution. I have to believe mm-hmm. the entire package of science. And I would say to them, actually, no, because to agree that humans are affecting this amazing planet that we live on, we don't have to agree that the earth is any more than 300 years old because that's when the industrial revolution started and that's when the human influence on on our climate really took off. Hmm. And as far as I know, just about everybody agrees that the world is at least 300 years old. At least. Okay. Yeah. Maybe not maybe not some of the flat earthers, but <laughs> the most people are going to be on board with us. It's at least 300. I think my grandmother was half that old. I think so. there's yeah. a few people in my choir that were here at the yeah, at the beginning of that. Yeah, at your church, <laughs> the choir, the choir director about 140, 145. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> now that's crazy. Oh, what a, what a cool, simple way of seeing it though. It's because it's not like we don't have to chuck the whole argument because we, we can't words, argue out a billion years. Yeah. <laughs> if we can agree there was an industrial revolution when we started burning everything for, for heat and power and things started warming up after that, then, okay, there's our starting point. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yes. Um, and then, then the last reason I think is really the most powerful reason. And that is because Caring about this issue is exactly who we're created to be. Uh, The reason why I personally care so passionately about a changing climate is because it is exacerbating all of the humanitarian issues that are already leading to enormous suffering today. Mm -hmm. Hunger, poverty, 
refugee crises, injustice. One in six deaths around the world today are related to pollution. Much of that is coming from burning fossil fuels. I mean, I grew up as a missionary kid in South America, and I know what it looks like to live on the edge to where when disaster happens, it isn't a matter of like calling up your insurance company or waiting till FEMA or the National Guard shows up to rescue you. I mean, you know, thousands of people die in developing countries from natural disasters that we are relatively insulated from here. And again, the number one reason that we care about a changing climate is because it's taking these natural disasters and it's amping them up. It's putting them on steroids. It's making them stronger and more frequent, which means that decade by decade, we are seeing more and more suffering and even death as a result of a changing climate. And that's why I care. And I really believe all of us as Christians are created to be the very people to care about this. You're so right. You know, like, it's funny, because the church that I grew up in was the mindset exactly the opposite. Like, you know, God gave us the earth, he's sovereign, he'll take care of it, so, you know, blow up things, and you drive your F-150s, and, you know, it was a whole different viewpoint than this conser- or than this conservation, or even Christians entering into the redemption and, and restorative nature of creation care. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, we get too freaked by it. Yeah, we I, do. You've articulated so well. We really do think that to be on the side of uh, believing that the planet's getting warmer and it's causing huge problems puts us into this other crazy pile of stuff that we don't even know about or we're freaked to be associated with or all that. Yeah. Well, this is good. Super clarifying. So, Catherine, last question. We'll let you go. Um, what would you say to people? I, I would have a hard time believing that somebody's listening to the facts and the data right now and even your heart that you're putting into this and going, eh, not moved. I think everybody listening is probably feeling some sort of conviction or something maybe stirring up inside of them. What would be some suggestions on maybe first steps that you would you would put out there for for followers of Jesus who are feeling moved by this episode and want to move towards being more responsible for every living thing? Mm-hmm. Well, if you're looking for more info, there are lots of great resources out there. The National Association of Evangelicals has a report it wrote called Loving the Least of These, which directly connects poverty and suffering to caring about a changing climate. The Evangelical Environmental Network, uh, the Catholic Climate Coalition, there's all kinds of faith-based organizations that provide enormous amount of great resources for people if you're looking to dig a little deeper and go further. We also have our global weirding videos, of course, online, and I try to put a lot of the resources that I have on my website as well, which is just my name, katherinehayhoe.com. And we'll put that in the notes. For oh, on that killer website, yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that you but, created yourself. But if people, if people are asking, what is the most important thing that I can do? Because so often we feel like we're told to change a light bulb or start recycling. Sure. Yes, those actually do make a difference. You know, if every household in the U.S. changed one light bulb for one of those new LEDs that you can get anywhere these days for a couple of dollars, that would be equivalent to taking almost a million cars off the road. I mean, so that actually does have an oh impact. My gosh. Yeah. But if there's one thing, the most important thing we can do about this, it is talk about it. Because do you know over 75% of people around the entire United States don't even hear somebody else talking about climate change more than once or twice a year. Wow. Yeah. I, that's unbelievable. Do they not turn on the news ever? <laughs> it doesn't It doesn't get talked to much in the news. It never came up in the presidential debates, but thankfully we're talking about it here. So yeah. the number one thing we can do is talk about it and, and not argue over the science because that never changes anybody's minds. The sure. most important thing to do is to speak from the heart 
about why we care about it, and to talk about really incredible positive solutions that are exciting and that are worth getting on board with. And so on my Facebook page, I try to make sure I have at least one, if not two, positive posts every single week that people can use to talk about. And the post this past week was about how churches are doing energy audits. And this guy who actually graduated from our university, Texas Tech, and then went to Gordon-Conwell Seminary, and then graduated with a master's in ethics and missions, and decided that his mission was to start an energy audit company for churches and and, uh, seminaries and colleges to help them reduce their carbon footprint, save money, and then have more money to spend on their missions budget. I mean, how so cool, cool is that? What church yeah, doesn't want so to spend creative. more money? Yeah. So, yeah, awesome. um, and, and I, I, I had this awesome picture of a church that put solar panels on the roof and they put a cross shaped hole in the solar panels. Well, of course they did. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, that's, well, that's, that's how they talk the board into it, but that's good. I mean, <laughs> exactly. And it doesn't uh, have to be that. I mean, you know, the average yeah. church saves 30 to $50,000 a year just with, you know, conservation, which again is conservative. So there, uh, there's just, I mean, there's so many cool things going on in um, in developing countries, um, in uh, you know the fact that here in Texas we have 25,000 local jobs in the wind energy industry, which is amazing. Um, the fact that Fort Hood, which is the biggest military base in the U.S., went with wind and solar last year to save taxpayers 150 million dollars. Um, there's just super cool stuff that we can yeah. talk about, and I love talking about how Christians are getting in there and how um, we can serve as a witness to people saying, yes, we take our responsibility seriously and we genuinely care about people who are suffering in this world. Yeah. Wow. Well, Catherine, you are certainly a, a bright and fun advocate for this and understanding it and you make it so easy your passion comes through so clean and clear but you're also so credible about it that i i want to thank you again because i know uh the listeners of life school are going to love it and they're going to finally find a balanced understanding but you've broken some things down into such clean like duh (laughs) stuff for us in such and in such a hopeful way too so thank you again for this oh no thank you and yeah let's do this again that would be fantastic oh my gosh so much out of that man i swear my i this whole issue of my heart just expanded, exploded and moved like click, 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 click yeah. down the board. I, wow. It'd be interesting to hear, um, the big three that you came up with. Cause I mean, there's so much there, right? That oh, we could have had it's a- the big nine today. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so but the take big- notes, buckle up. No, I got, I have, I have a big three, but I don't know. We could have Let's, a lot more. Right? And we, yeah. we tried to take the head heart hands approach on this. Yeah. We always like, what do we need to, you know, know, and what do we need to believe about this issue? And then how do we get started? Right. Okay. So if you want a free download of the big three, we'll give it to you by, by all you have to do going to one, two, three lifeschool.com forward slash episode one sixty six. We'll get that right away to you. Caesar, what were your big and, three takeaways? And I'm going to add to the big three. When you get the download, I'm going to add all those, uh, like the link she talked about. Yeah, all, Facebook I mean, it'll be a that. whole kit because let's yeah. get started, right? I mean, Absolutely. this is great. So first one, um, we don't have to fear that believing that the earth's getting warmer each year will automatically align us with false beliefs in other areas of our faith. Hmm. Like, you know, she was talking about that and I was like, man, that is so big. I think some people think like, I'm not the right person. Like she said, I'm not the right person to worry about this. Right. Like, yeah, well, yeah, we are. So like, or I, I'm going to, I don't want to be aligned with that. Like, man, it, Okay. Hmm. So admitting that global warming is happening is based on facts. Yep. <laughs> you know, the facts yeah. are out there and do not negate our faith. They, in fact, they reinforce it. And our faith then reinforces our need to be involved in the solutions. Wow. And I love that quote that she had. I had her say it twice from Isaac Asimov. 
it's a dangerous notion that my opinion is more valid than your facts. Yeah. You know, so in other words, you can't say like, all I know is it was, uh, it was cold this winter. If there was global warming, you know, it's like, yeah. okay, <laughs> Mr. Science. <laughs> okay. Number two, yep. um, God created us in his own image. God remember that and gave us authority to rule over and care for his creation. And that includes the earth and the people living on it. Another yeah. thing, kaboom, my head blew up. Global warming affects the poorest people in the world now yeah. in some really devastating ways. I guess I never put those two issues together, just yep. being honest. So it's the most natural thing for Christians who believe this to want to take seriously their birthright, um, their privilege of caring for things, and the responsibility to care for the least of these. Wow. So caring about global warming and being a part of the solution cares for the least of these. Yeah, absolutely, Huge. Man. Okay, and then and then the third one, sort of, how do we get started? She said it. I mean, learn more and talk about global warming. Hardly mm-hmm. anybody does. Yep. So this is an area that I think most Christians and non Christians really know very little about, yep. but they kind of form knee jerk, you know, CNN slash Fox News opinions, you sure. know, whatever <laughs> side you're on. Yeah. yeah. So check out the websites and resources that Catherine suggested, and then share them with others. Like, don't fear it. Like, wow, I'm learning some better perspectives on this because yep. she was brilliant. Share this podcast, please, because I've never heard it talked about like this. Yeah, not in this She's so lens. brilliant. And then spend some time discussing this with your friends and family. Tell them what you're learning and, and then ways that you think together you can be a part of the solution. Yeah. Like, really do it because... Yeah, I mean, just think about it. Is this, if this just keeps getting worse and worse and worse, like, man, my grandkids are suffering. And not just people across the world, sure. you, know, this, you know, in the desert somewhere that I'm never going to see. Like, so, I mean, this is big. Yeah. This is big. You know, I the, feel like my heart's moved big time. Me too, man. Just here in the last half hour. One of the things I was thinking about with point number three is back in episode 109, when we were just kicking off the podcast over a year ago, we talked about uh, the importance of being a lifelong learner. So humbly approaching these topics. We yes. don't need to have all the answers. And like you said, this is an area that... Christians and non-Christians have not really taught too much about, not thought through, and so it's really yeah. easy to have opinions. So go back to 109, figure out the uh, Lifelong Learner podcast. That'll be helpful for you at this time yeah, as well. Great. So the way you get those, again, is by going to 123lifeschool.com forward slash episode 166, and you'll get all the resources, the link to Catherine's website, the link to her uh, global weirding videos, um, all that stuff will, will be thrown into the show notes for this week. And if you want to be part of the conversation, this is a great one to jump into. Join us on Facebook. All you got to do is go up to the top, type in the Life School Podcast. Caesar, I will accept you to the group, and you can jump <laughs> into the conversation there. Awesome. Hey, join us next week as we talk about consumerism and how it's one of the absolute killers of living in community together. It's rampant. It's something we don't really address too much, but I think if Jesus showed back up, it'd be one of the first things that he would call us out on, you know? Yeah, my, my, my just, yeah. <laughs> so we hope you hang out Gonna with be us a good episode for that. Thanks for joining us today. For more information, you can visit 123lifeschool.com forward slash podcast. Thank you.